Well, today, uh, we're actually going to jump back into our series on John. We took a month off in December as we talked about different aspects of um, Christmas and celebrating the holiday season. But today, we're going to pick back up in John chapter 4. And so I'm not going to give you a recap of all the stuff that we've talked about previously, um, but we've gone through and we're seeing some wonderful examples of how to live based upon what Jesus has done. And today is a, uh, just a powerful message. I'm excited about what God just brings out in the messages uh, as I'm preparing, as we're, we're studying, as we're, I'm getting ready, uh, because I just really think that God uh, is just really illuminating uh, beautiful things. And I, I'm really encouraged. So now, we're always excited about new products. Anybody get something new that you've been really waiting for at Christmas? You, you want it, you know, no, nothing, no, nobody? I saw some head shaking, I'm sorry. All right, well, okay, Pat Lloyd, she got something. What, what'd you get? A food saver. All right, I, had, I saw somebody post, somebody post on, uh, on Facebook this, day, this week that they got the most intimidating Christmas present they've ever gotten in their entire life. It was an Instapot. Anybody else got an Instapot? We got, I bought Heather an Instapot, uh, Amazon Prime Days, and it's, it's one of those things, it's, it's, it's intimidating. Something new is intimidating. We like easy things, don't we? We like things that are so easy that we don't have to worry about it. Actually, many of us, uh, if, you're, if you're my age or older, you probably remember uh, the king of easy. The king of easy gadgets. The king. Uh, let, let's throw his picture up here. How many of you remember this guy? Ron Pompeo. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. Let's see some of the things. The, the Vegematic, the Chopomatic, Mr. Microphone, the Pocket Fisherman, the Buttoneer, the Smokeless Ashtray, Pompeo's Electric Food Dehydrated. How many of you remember these, these infomercials he's done? My personal favorite, Bedazzler. Actually, my personal favorite really is the hair in a can spray. The hair in a can. Now, be honest. Anybody in here try it? Anybody? I'm not singling anybody out, but bald guys. Uh, and so, let's see, the, the automated pest, no, now, then he got into the Ronco electric food dehydrator. And he had two great things that he always said. He always said, you can set it and forget it, right? And then there was always, but wait, there's more. If you order right now, you can also get our special knives, right, or something. There was always something more that Ron had for you. Now, his sales, now, we, we kind of make fun of Ron. He's really, um, he's really responsible for the modern-day infomercial. And so you can thank him for that. Uh, but because when he first created the Vegematic and the Chopomatic, it was so easy to use. There was too much stuff for salesmen to carry around. And so they said the only way really to show it is to record a demonstration. And that gave birth to the uh, modern day infomercial. It was just so simple. It was easy. And then we moved into the, all the other things. But he always had the promise, but wait, there's more. The man has had billions of dollars in sales. In 2005, he's actually sold his share of the company for $55 million. That's not bad for, you know, hair in a can. It's pretty amazing. But one of the things that always enticed people with the Ronco products was there was something more 
There was the promise of something big, a big payout that we didn't expect. It was, it was going to be the simplest, easiest way, the, the five-in-one air fryer, right? That's just, that doesn't sound right, but that's what he's, it was the five-in-one, it's the healthy way to fry things. So people buy it. How many of you have the guilty pleasure of buying things off of infomercials? And it, you don't want to admit it, do you? Okay, all right. I've, I've, bought, I've bought one thing, and I take it back, two things off of QVC. I bought a set of dishes for Heather, and I bought um, some giant precious moments for my mom. Uh, because my mom collects so many precious moments, that's the only way to buy her anything is to get something unique. But Ron, Ron Pompeo, he had something so great that everyone wanted to see if it really worked the way it was supposed to work. That's really why a lot of us set New Year's resolutions. Because we want the promise of something more. We want the promise of something new, something different, something that's going to get us out of the place that we're at right now. So all of the people that bought this, the hair spray can or the air dryers or the dehydrators, the chopomatics, whatever it is, what were they looking for? They were looking for an easier way, a simpler way, a better way to do what they needed to get done. Well, when we look in John chapter 4, we come up on a situation where people are in a similar situation. Place. We're in John chapter 4, verse 43 to 54 is where we're going to be. And I, I want to just read through it real quick, and then we'll come back to it. Now, you're probably familiar with this passage. It's where Jesus heals the official's son. And here, let me, let me read it to you, and then we'll come back through it. It says, after the two days, he left for Galilee. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had all seen that, they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had also been there. Once more, he, inv- he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son laid sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonder, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on on the way, his servants met him with the good news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. So, you know, it's that promise of more. The the Galileans were excited to see Jesus come because they had seen him do miracles already in Jerusalem. And so they were looking for something more. They were looking for a big miracle. They were looking for Jesus. They already had that expectation that Jesus was going to do something phenomenal, miraculous, special. They were looking for it. They were looking for the promise of some kind of delivery of something big. Again, I think that's why New Year's is so exciting. I think that's why new products on the infomercials are so exciting. Because they offer us something that we aren't expecting, and they satisfy a need that we have. Now, I'm not comparing Jesus' miracles to an infomercial. 
um, because a lot of times you know the infomercials, they're really good at selling, but they're not necessarily so good at delivering. And here they are, they're coming back to Jesus and said, we've seen you do miracles, but let's see you do something else. That's really the setting. And Jesus, when he's confronted with the official, verse 46, says, Once more he visited Cana in Galilee where he turned water into wine. So these people had already seen him do miracles, right? In Jerusalem they saw him do miracles. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. And here's what Jesus said. Now, there's two ways to read this verse. It depends on what commentator you read on, on how it comes across. Either Jesus was encouraging them to believe deeper, or Jesus was kind of annoyed with them. And so it's either, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. Or Jesus could have said, man, unless you guys see something awesome, you're just never going to believe. We're not sure which one Jesus meant. Jesus could have meant either one. He could have been frustrated. He could have been trying to encourage them to believe, try to grow deeper in their faith. You know, I think we come to Jesus at the same, same way. Some people, we come before Jesus and we say, God, show me something new and afresh. Show me something amazing so that I will believe in you. But some come before Jesus saying, Jesus, I need a new touch. I need a fresh sense of your presence. Jesus, show me who you are so that I will continue in my belief. There's a difference between make me believe and help me to continue in my belief. Here's the reality that we face. Jesus wants us to believe from dedication, not amazement. Jesus wants us to believe because we've committed our faith to believe. But so many times, if we don't have a new and a fresh and a something spectacular that grabs our attention, we start to drift backwards in our faith. We start to lose hope. We start to lose that grasp. And Jesus here, when the official came, he said, unless you see a miracle. I don't know what he meant. Maybe he was trying to encourage him. Maybe he was frustrated with him. It's kind of like when Jesus was confronted with Thomas later on in John. You don't have to turn there. But John chapter 20, you're familiar with this. It's after Jesus' death and resurrection. In John chapter 20, verse 24, it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his sides, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the, though the door was locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hand. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Now when you read on, Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. 
So here's the royal official. Jesus, I need you to heal my son. Here was Thomas. I need to touch the nails. Jesus could have said, get out of here. You've seen me do miracles. You've seen me do amazing things. You've seen me do spectacular things. You've seen this already. But that's not what Jesus did. While Jesus wants us to believe out of dedication and not amazement, he still helps us overcome our unbelief. He still helps us in those moments when we're struggling with faith. Jesus did a miracle. They had already seen the miracles. That's why the royal official came. Thomas, when he said, I need to put my finger in the nails, realized that Jesus, there's two miracles that happened right there when Jesus came to Thomas. They said, even though the door was locked, Jesus came in. That, we can read over that and just kind of skip it. But Jesus miraculously appeared to the disciples. And he already knew what Thomas was doubting about. He had already heard, even though Jesus wasn't there when Thomas said, unless I put my fingers in the nail. And Jesus could have looked at Thomas and said, Thomas, you've been with me for three years. You've seen me heal people, drive out demons. You've seen me raise the dead, yet you still don't believe. But that's not what Jesus did. That's not what Jesus did at all. When the royal official came, Jesus didn't say, get out of here, man. You've seen me do miracles. That's not what he did at all. Well, actually, when you look at verses 49 and 50, the royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said, you may go. Your son will live. Jesus helps us overcome our unbelief. Think about it. Thomas with Jesus, seeing all of those miracles, still struggled in his faith. And Jesus could have said, listen, it doesn't matter what I do. You're never going to believe on your own. He could have dismissed him, said, get out of here. What did he do? Jesus helped him believe. Jesus helps us overcome our unbelief. It's a powerful thing to realize that Jesus is constantly drawing us closer to him. Jesus always wants us to come closer. He wants us to know that he will meet our needs. And even after you've known Jesus intimately, personally, there will be times that your faith may falter. That's why I love these seasons of prayer and fasting. Because they help us focus on God. They help us focus on the one that can fix our problems, not on our problems. Because when we take our eyes off of the issues facing us and place them on the one that can fix them, everything else becomes pale in comparison. It's powerful. It's powerful. I love that the royal official needed a miracle, and when Jesus said, your son will live, the verse says that he took Jesus at his word. He wasn't with his son, but he had enough faith that Jesus was able to encourage him with just the word, your son will live. 
Maybe Jesus has a new word for you this year. It might be something just as simple as what the Word of God tells us, which is, I will never leave you and forsake you. We all go through times when we feel alone. We all go through times when we feel disappointed. We all go through times when we feel abandoned. We need to be encouraged. Jesus will help you in your unbelief. The thing is, how do we look at it? How do we look at life? I love what it says in verses 51 and 50 to 53. It says, while he was still on his way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. The first part of verse 53. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. You know, a lot of times we'll be praying for something. God, I need a breakthrough. God, I need a better job. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to make it to the end of this week. I need a miraculous touch. Jesus, I need this relationship restored. Jesus, I need. And we make it. We make it. There was no angels, no big fanfare, no, no trumpets. But we thought it was hopeless, and we made it through. And because it wasn't miraculous in our eyes, it wasn't a blinding light on the road to Damascus, sometimes we chalk it up to happenstance or circumstance. But the question is, was it circumstance or was it God? How do we look at it? In verse 53, the, the royal official said, Then he realized. Then he realized. That means that there was probably a moment when he thought, maybe this was a trip that wasn't needed. Maybe this was a trip that I didn't have to go to. Maybe he just got better on his own. But when he clarified with the servant what time it was, then he realized. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what situation you've been praying for for a long time. I don't know what miracle you need to see Jesus perform. Jesus will help us in our unbelief. But you know, some of the Pharisees, when they saw Jesus do miracles, they, they didn't chalk it up to a work of God, did they? No, they said that was the devil working. There's times when things happen, little miracles, little things. And we just chalk it up to, well, that's just how it worked out. But do you think maybe God heard your prayer? It might not have been a giant step forward. It might not have been a huge leap. It might have just been a baby step. But do we chalk it up to coincidence or do we chalk it up to God? It's really in how we look at it. And so that's the question I have for you this year. Why don't we throw that slide up there so I can get it right. We, we want to ask the question, what miracle are you believing for that maybe you've overlooked, that Jesus has already done, or you failed to see as an answer from God? This is why we have to reflect on things so intentionally, because Jesus 
is working daily in our lives. He's there every single step. And it might not have been the answer we thought we needed, but it was the answer that God knew we needed. That's the hard thing sometimes, isn't it? The answer we get isn't always the one we wanted. You know, sometimes we pray for things and God says no. Because he knows best for us, doesn't he? But we pray again. We say, God didn't answer my prayer. But he did answer our prayer. We just didn't like it. We didn't like the answer. Jesus does miracles every day. He does miracles in our life every day. From us taking a breath, to us being able to provide for our family, to us being able to just live. Life is a miracle that was given by God. The fact that we wake up every day is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. But see, what we have to do in order to look at life that way is that much like that royal official, then the father realized that this was the exact time which Jesus had said, your son will live. We have to learn, we have to train ourselves to see God in everything. There's not a physical life and a spiritual life. There's not a work you and a church you. There's just your life and you. And God is actively involved in all of it. Every aspect of it. The question is, are we looking for God in everything? Because when we look for God in everything, we see the small miracles that he does for us day by day, moment by moment. That's why for New Year's it's so very important to get a good perspective on where we want to go, on what we need breakthrough in our life. And where we need God to do something spectacular to help us in our unbelief. And then we can reflect and see where he has done it already. Or he has started the process. Some things don't happen all right away, do they? It develops over time. It develops over a season. God is shaping us and molding us. None of us are born fully formed. We all need time to grow move forward. It's the same thing that Jesus does in our lives. This time of year is a very popular time for setting New Year's resolutions, big goal settings for 2018. Uh, I myself have, I've, I've, I've jumped into a little program called the Finisher's Course with John Acuff. John Acuff's a great business author, um, and it's just helping to be a finisher. But here's an interesting quote from John Acuff. They did a lot of research about people finishing goals and and setting deadlines and guidelines, and they found that the biggest drop-off for people in accomplishing their goal was on day two. Day one's exciting. Day one, you're setting up the plan. Day one, you're getting the goals. You're, you're excited about all the things you're going to accomplish over this next year. Day two, the work begins. And they quit. They give up. It takes focusing on what God is doing to move past day two. Here's one of the recommendations that Acuff gives. 
Focus on the 1%. We set this big goal. We set this big plan. And we want to get 100% of it done on day two. But it might take two years to do it. You can't do a two-year plan in one day, can you? You can do 1%. Say you want to write a 30,000-word 30, 30, book. What's 1%? Write 300 words. You can write 300 words in a day, can't you? It's the same way in us overcoming our unbelief. Seeing God in everything, it lets us not just look for the big, the grand. Jesus does that. Jesus heals us of cancer. Jesus instantly restores relationships. He saves us immediately. He delivers us. He does the big, but he also does the little. The step-by-step, step, the 1%. That's why I think it's so very appropriate today how we're going to close service. And I think it's so appropriate on us kicking off our prayer and fasting with focusing on God in our relationship so we can look for Jesus, not just in the big, but in the little too.